It's February 2015, Episode 2, Free Software in Public Radio. Welcome to Hacking Culture, featuring in-depth interviews with free software advocates. Hacking Culture is brought to you by Lullabot, and I'm your host, Matthew Tift. Well, long before we had open source software, we had public radio. And I've always kind of felt that free software would be a perfect fit for nonprofits such as public radio because it's supported by members and local businesses and governments. But for the most part, public radio is like the rest of the world and that proprietary software is the norm. So there are a few people that have been trying to change the situation. And one of them is my guest today, Bill Hanel from North Country Public Radio. Thanks so much for coming on the show, Bill. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. I'm very, very happy to speak with you. Well, let's just start off. Tell us, how, how did you get involved in public radio? Well, it's kind of a, it's kind of a long story that goes back to, to when I was a kid, to be honest. Uh, I, I, was, I was one of those kids who grew up on public radio, listening to all the shows in the 80s and, and, uh, and 90s and, and whatever. And uh, I was sort of on a career path for web development, although I'm going to say in the early 90s, I didn't really know what that was going to be. I just thought the whole website thing sounded like a cool thing. And uh, I was working for a company as a marketing manager, and and we had to have we had to have uh, we had to have a web presence, or so I told them. And so so I started sort of picking up the tools there to to do that work. And you know, one thing led to another, and and I found out about the job here at uh, North Country Public Radio, and I said, well. That sounds way better. <laughs> so, especially having been a fan for so many years, so I, I bailed out of that job and became the station's uh, first full-time uh, web manager. Actually, I hired two of us: Dale Hobson being the other guy. Back in the days when each website had a webmaster and at least and at least one frame set. Yeah, but we insisted. I have to tell you, we insisted that neither of us. See, we were hired at the same time, Dale and I. He was hired as the online outreach coordinator. No kidding. And um, and I was hired as the web manager because we both insisted that neither of us would end up with the title webmaster, and nor would we wear a pointy hat or or you know anything that looked like a robe. One of the reasons I'm having you on the show today is because you have been a advocate for free software or open source software in public radio. And I can imagine there are a number of reasons why somebody might be interested in promoting free software in public radio, such as maybe the belief that public radio stations should be sharing resources or that maybe using free software lowers costs or that it's better. Why have you been a proponent of free software in public radio? Well, I always felt from the beginning it was a natural fit. And, and I, I sort of like when I got into web development, there, there was, you know, open source was kind of like a really quiet, quiet word as far as I knew anyway. And as I entered the public radio world and became much more aware of what it was going to take to build the sort of property that we needed, I, I had to have tools. I had to have software. I had to have platforms, all the things that go into building a web property in, you know, 
whatever it was, 2001. You know, the sort of off-the-shelf content management systems that we're all familiar with now didn't didn't really exist much. Um, at least not that too many people were aware. There there was stuff out there, but most of what was available in the way of content management systems was commercial and for, from what I knew, very expensive and very dreadful. So we sort of took it upon ourselves to build a content management system. Well, if you're going to do that and you don't have much budget, you, you, you sort of have to rely on whatever you can grab for free. So there's the introduction to open source software. As I learned more about the open source community and how this stuff existed, I, I couldn't help but to ask myself, who is doing all this work? <laughs> how can it be free, you know? And it didn't take long to recognize that the model for open source software uh, was almost identical to the model for public media. It's, it's, it's that idea of a community contributing to the resources of the community in order for the community to continue to exist and have resources. It's just it's an ongoing organic process that works really well for, for both of those, those arenas. So I just sort of felt, like I said, I, I felt pretty strongly from the beginning as I, as I learned about it that, that it was a natural fit. And public media being what it is, a lot of, lot of stations not really having a whole lot in the way of resources, we don't really have much of a choice sometimes but to rely on each other, just like open source. You built a CMS for public media. You made it GPL licensed. You called it the Public Media Manager. How did that project come about? We started to develop it without the intention of sharing it. I mean, we de- you know we started development because of because of the fact that we needed something. We when we started to understand that the only way we were going to be able to have any kind of significant web presence at that time and in the future. And, and mind you, the website at that point was mostly an about page, the website for the radio station. And, and we realized the, the, the only way we were going to ever become more than that was by having some sort of a publishing system. And so that was why we took on the concept of, of a content management system. And there wasn't much available, so we decided to build it. Not too long after we built it, you know, people wondered, people were asking us questions out in public media. Uh, where did you get this thing? You know, <laughs> and it wasn't much of anything to have at that point. I mean, it was it wasn't a huge system or anything. Um, but a lot of people were interested. And that was when it occurred to us that, you know, having been built on an open source platform, we should release it. We should release it, give it away to other stations. And so that's why that's why that happened. It just seemed like the right thing to do. Top of that, we were able to secure some CPB funding to uh, build it out a little better, a little further, um, give it some more development, refine it, uh, prepare it for release. And and that way uh, it was actually possible for us to share. Like so many open source projects, this didn't just start because you thought, oh, I want to go build this neat tool. This started because you guys needed a content management system and there wasn't one that did what you needed it to do. You got it. Mother of invention and all that, right? Yeah. And, and I can't stress enough. I mean, this is this is the thing that blows me away how many years after the fact. WordPress did not exist I mean, not in any kind of real form. And in fact, I think when we started building, I don't, I don't think it was even in existence at all. I mean, there was a lot of stuff that just wasn't out there yet. Then you took the next step of saying, this thing that we built, this could be useful to others, and let's release it 
with an open source license and let's let other people use it. And that part is sometimes the tricky part. Do you know if any other stations ended up picking it up? Yeah. Oh, definitely. Definitely. There were there were at least a couple of small stations who used it almost off the shelf. I had probably at one point three or four stations who were contacting me on a pretty regular basis about how to how to uh, work with certain parts of it. We had never we had never done anything like that before. We had never released a package before. It was pretty awful. <laughs> you know, honestly, I mean, I think the software was good and what it was capable of was good. And it, it was certainly a good fit for a small public radio station publishing news content. But as a release package, it was pretty rough. Again, early days and, uh, you know, there was no such thing as, as uh, any you know, tried and true formula for releasing an open source software package much. SourceForge was even pretty young at that point. And this is well before GitHub or anything like that, where a lot of people collaborate. Oh, gosh. Long before GitHub. Yeah. I mean, yeah. There weren't weren't that many packages available in SourceForge with the title content management system at that point. Yeah. When we first released it, it was was pretty rough around the edges. And I think that probably for anybody who wanted to pick it up, it, it would... I mean, we tried to make it easy to drop in and use, and it was pretty good, but it, it required a little work. So so anyway, you know, there there were several stations who were trying to use it, several stations who did use it. I later integrated it with uh, with another content management system that I built. It was a little more capable, but didn't have the radio-specific, news-specific stuff. It was more of a website management system than a publishing system. And so I, I later integrated those two systems and... Those two systems together ended up running, oh, probably a dozen different sites, both in public media and also, um, you know, museums and other not-for-profits and things like that. Sure. So do you still use that public media manager or a variation of it? Heck yeah. You do? Heck yeah. I mean, it's, it's developed, it's, well, it's, it's the same core that's running, uh, the, uh, ncpr.org site right now. Um, in fact, just before, uh, we got on, on this call, I was in the process of trying to break it for about the umpteen millionth time. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, that's something that I find quite impressive that you you built the product as a CMS in. Uh, you said you started work around 2001. 2001. Yeah, it would have been it would have been probably you know I don't know September, August 2001 something like that. Well, we're here nearly 15 years later, and you're still using it. Yeah. Yeah, a variation. I mean, we haven't, you know, we haven't released another package for the thing in a long time. But I got to tell you, I would love to. I really would love to. I don't know if anybody would use it, but I think it would be really cool to pack up all the things that we've done over the last 15 years and release it. You know, it's it's the platform behind our entire site now and i mean you know we're we're running a responsive site that's a big leap from 01 when we started sure <laughs> so have you thought about putting it up on github i have the problem at this point is i'm still the only developer i have been for you know 15 years we've had people on and off who have who have helped us out um and in fact when we did the release back then part of the cpb funding went to pay a group a small group of um, of student developers who pitched in on it. For our listeners that aren't in the public radio world, what's the CPB? Sorry, Corpor- Corporation for Public Broadcasting. And they give lots of grants to help try and push new ideas forward. Yeah, yeah, it's um, 
they're they're sort of in charge of making sure that that uh, the money goes to the right place <laughs> to, to genuine public media stuff. Yes, like your own project. Right. So you know, you say you've been a developer on this for 15 years, and to some people they might think, you know, why would he just keep toiling away on his own? But that's certainly not the case. Now you've tried other ways to help get public radio developers working together to sharing code. Mm-hmm. And one of the most interesting things that you've tried was called PubForge, which I have to admit that I helped push at a you certain did. point. So I am I am definitely part of these efforts as well. Tell us a little bit about PubForge. PubForge came out of a lot of frustration and head scratching about what was going on in public media back around, I don't know, 04, 05, something like that. Well, and it, and it comes from before that. But basically, it's kind of like I said before, we we recognize that there's a real lack of resources available for investing in digital spaces for public media. And it seemed like that wasn't something that was going to change anytime soon. In fact, I'd say even now, years later, there there's still not nearly enough being invested into digital spaces for public media, especially small public media stations. And we sort of felt, as you know, that the best hope for uh, these smaller stations, and there are many of them, and it's not like there are a few, there are many small stations out there. We sort of felt like the best hope for them was was to be able to lean on community resources, help each other, you know, um, uh, as a group, we were way stronger than than a bunch of individual stations, of course. So that seemed like a good idea. And the question was, how would we make that happen? Well, you got to have a name on the top of the door so people know where to find the goodies. So, um, <laughs> yeah, that's how PubForge was born. And, of course, the name was based loosely on, on uh, the uh, sort of go-to open source software resource at the time, which was SourceForge. I think there were other forges back then. I don't think SourceForge was the only one. I don't think so either. But I think the PubForge, it wasn't like SourceForge where it would just be sharing code. This was a website. This was people talking. This was people meeting each week. This was people trying to come up with projects where lots of developers could work together on public radio-specific solutions, I guess, to, to the problem. Yeah, and and TV as well. Honestly, I mean, we we had some folks uh, sort of involved who were who were at joint licensee stations, meaning you know radio and TV both. So th- there was a lot of interest, as far as I knew, in solving problems that were too expensive to solve. And and I, when I say too expensive, I mean not just like you know how am I going to buy software, but I mean like how am I going to have enough people to do this. So, yeah, it wasn't just software. It was also like, you know, best practices and um, audio handling. I mean, there was there was a lot of stuff that was that was discussed. And if people are frantically Googling now wondering, where is this PubForge? The, the site's no longer there because the group is no longer active. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. We decided to let it go few years ago because there just wasn't any activity. Um, and I think part of the reason for that is because actually some other things have come along to replace the need for PubForge. I don't know that they're better solutions. I really, you know, 
I kind of wish that PubForge had stayed alive. But, you know, one of the things, if you recall, that we talked about back then was the idea of having a central repository for content, you know, some kind of an exchange where people could post, uh, where, where stations could post not just content, but software too, but like, you know, uh, 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 a central database for storing public media content that other public media stations could could make use of and building an interface, you know, sort of an API kind of thing to to hook up to that. Um, so there again, you'd have a shared resource uh, lightening the load for anybody who doesn't have resources of their own. Coincidentally, now how many years down the road, public media platform, which is sort of a joint project between the NPR and PPS and some other folks. APM, PRI, and PRX. Yeah, they're actually a bunch. Uh, that actually, I, I, I kind of I love the idea that that happened because whether they realize it or not, that's what we were talking about back then. <laughs> that's exactly, and, and we actually built the initial framework for having the database and, and had like plans sketched out for architecture and whatnot. So uh, and, and, you know, Kristen Calhoun was one of the people uh, who was sort of um, involved in the PubForge conversation. She wasn't really directly involved in PubForge because she was a busy gal at the time. I imagine she probably still is, but she's in charge of the uh, public media platform now, I guess. I like to think that, you know, maybe we planted that seed. But then again, there were probably a lot of other conversations going on at the same time for about something similar. So Right. And that's what struck me that was different about PubForge is people would have these conversations, but it's hard to to get folks together to say, let's build open source tools together. And even yeah. even the public media platform, I think some people, when they heard when that was first announced in 2010, you know, I think the last few years, people in public media have been saying, well, where is it? Where is it? And I think it launched in November of 2014. And this was a project that had eight million dollars in cpb funding from the corporation of public broadcasting and it has all of the <laughs> powerhouses in public radio american public media pbs pri national public radio prx and that tool on their website now the public media platform website it, it says that it's built using common open source tools you're saying then that maybe 10 years later we do have some success even if it's not called pub for is that kind of what you're saying yeah yeah i mean it's it is what we it, it is what we envisioned in fact i mean it's exactly what we envisioned you know and and we even talked if you remember at the time about um you know building common uh interfaces between or sorry building interfaces between common uh, content management platforms and this system and that's exactly what they've done which is really cool I think it's I think it's great that, you know, wh whether or not it led directly to the development of the PMP, we absolutely had it nailed in terms of what needed to be done. And we were just a small yeah. group of sort of grassroots geeks, you know, trying to figure out how to get things done. And it's it's hard to herd cats uh, <laughs> in public media. <laughs> you know, it's hard to herd cats in open source, uh, open source uh, community as well, I think. And one of the reasons is there's sort of no governing body there, and, and, and especially if there's not any funding driving the thing, it's you know, it's difficult to focus the resources. But 
uh, had we been able to get funding for Pub Forge, and we did, we did pursue that. Oh, by the okay. way. <laughs> Nobody was interested. <laughs> so, so, but had we been able to secure funding, I think Pub Forge would have been. It, it probably would have been here to stay, and we had a lot of good data behind us, and you know, uh, in order to prove that it needed to exist and and that people needed it. But you know, we probably would have ended up with something like the public media platform. So cool, right? <laughs> it seemed like with PubForge, part of it was sharing the content, but there was also an additional focus on the tools for presenting the content or putting the content on your website. That's like the public media manager aspect of that, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We definitely wanted there to be a software repository as well. I mean, somewhere you know, somewhere that anybody who's developing tools for that that are usable for uh, public media could drop their stuff and make it available to other folks. Not that there was anything wrong with SourceForge at the time. It was fine. It would it, it would have been great. The problem is our needs are pretty niche inside public media. You know, you know what I'm saying? There's like, it's pretty specific. And just because of the way we handle things, I mean, e even within the media community, the way public media does things is a little bit different. So it kind of made sense to have a place easily identifiable as sure. public media stuff. And and so, yeah, I mean, we wanted to have software. We wanted to have content. Uh, we wanted to have people. I mean, we talked about having a community of developers available to pitch in on projects, um, you know, yeah. sort of a hangout kind of thing. There have been a lot of efforts, it seems like, in public radio, and a, a few more that I can uh, recall would be the Radio Engage project, which was supposed to be a Drupal installation yeah. profile. I looked that up, and if you yeah, want to hear more I about that, that, there's yeah. a, a Lullabot podcast. Uh, the Drupal Voices talked about that on episode 35, for those that are interested. I personally have to claim some responsibility in the Drupal community for trying to push open source because, you know, I would try and run these. Well, I had a Drupal developer clinic and I, I started a pub media Drupal channel in our huh. IRC. Sometimes it just felt like it wasn't all that successful. It felt really difficult. I, I want to put a positive spin on, on these things we've done, but sometimes I feel like it, it doesn't feel like success. But then if you think about it, if you if you look at what's happening now with the public media manager, if you look and see the proliferation of like Drupal sites in in public media and uh, public television, there's a lot that are using Python for their websites. So it seems like mm -hmm. it seems like there has been a lot of success. So do you feel like your efforts have been successful? Yeah, yeah, I do. I mean, I, I you know. Even like like let's go back to the the public media platform concept. Even even if that didn't come directly from our work with PubForge, the reality is we were making a lot of noise. I mean, we were we were planting a lot of seeds about you know coming together as a group and 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 sharing resources. And you know those seeds were planted a long time ago, but they did eventually grow into something useful. And uh, I mean, we're only just beginning to see what what it's going to be, but I believe that it's here to stay. I had a lot of money behind it, so 
what you're saying about Drupal and, and your contribution there is the same thing. They're, they're, you were part of the buzz, if if not, you know, a leader in in that, you know, in the creation of the buzz. And that's how things are done around here, really. I, I'd say, uh, you know, because you're talking about a herd of cats, and because every station is a snowflake. And because we tend to get tunnel vision and get locked into what we're doing and forget about what everybody else is doing, it's the kind of a culture where, you know, I think sometimes the best you can hope for is to plant some seeds and hope that that people cultivate them over time. Um, So maybe there aren't so many, let's start a project that we all work on together. And in the end, we're going to have a project that's completed that we all work on together kind of thing. But but there's definitely a community out there that works together in, in a weird sort of conversational way. I think that's one of the things I love about the free software communities is that it's not always pretty. If you, if you look at it, it does seem like, it does feel like progress. If you, sometimes if you step back, you know, maybe not that many people showed up for our yeah. call, but you know, when we, we did yeah. a survey with PubForge, I don't know again, if you remember this, but I went back and looked it up from uh, 2008 and we found that even, what, six, seven years ago, most stations were using open source software for some aspect of their online service. And we found that there was a lot of interest in using open source software. And I think a lot of stations also talked about being sort of afraid that they could keep up with the technology because they didn't maybe have, they didn't maybe have the staff to follow it. But I think the bottom line is that people seem to get it. The message seemed to penetrate from, of course, not just, you know, from PubForge, but the broader software community, it seems like open source is just growing by leaps and bounds these days. Yeah, I'd say so. It solved a problem, you know, and, and that that's the big thing is, is there was a problem to be solved. And, you know, the 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 resources within within the open source world were, were a big part of the solution. The problem back then was it was a more simple problem, though, to some extent. It does, hasn't the problem continued to kind of morph over the years? Well, you know, I think I think it has, and it's 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 funny you ask that question because actually I've, I've sort of been having a hard time getting my head around the idea of okay, so what happened to all that talk about open source? Uh, software and what happened to you know all the conversations about working together and leaning on each other did everybody just suddenly solve their resource problems and no actually what's happened is at least within public media the bigger entities like pbr pbr npr and pbs (laughs) have um have created their own solutions why why do we need a a buggy open source content management system (laughs) For a small station when they can just, you know, a radio station can pay NPR and have uh, NPR system dropped in, uh, known as Core Publisher. And that's a good solution, I guess, because it works and NPR supports it as much as they can. And they... um, Well, actually, they support it pretty well. I shouldn't shouldn't say that. There are some portions of core publisher that are sort of falling by the wayside that don't get as much support. But, but in general, you know, they, they've stood by it uh, throughout its life cycle, but 
Yeah, so that's that's a solution. It's a paid solution. It's a controlled solution, and it's not controlled by the community that uses it. It's controlled by the people who provide it, the people who get paid to provide it. And, you know, I think that's a new problem. And, and you know, I don't have any problem with NPR, and I don't have any problem with their system. We don't use it because we don't need it. And, and so I'm not trying to bash what they've got there or, or what they do. But I will say that I think that I think that a model where you've got community supported software available to the community that supports it, I think stands a better chance of, of being a product that fits the community's needs <laughs> and, and that, you know, reflects the community's desires. And, you know, so will that turn into a bigger issue over time? I don't know. It might be just fine. You know, we trust NPR. So, uh, you know, they, I'm sure they'll continue to develop their, their platform in a way that works for us. And they, and they do, they, you know, they solicit feedback and, and, and that tends to go into the product eventually and that sort of thing. You know, they've got funding, they've got, they've got money, they've got resources, they've got people to put into it. So it stands a better chance of survival. And isn't that always like the, <laughs> isn't that always like the, the dilemma between, you know, oh, do I go open source or do I, do I go commercial, right? Well, not that NPR is commercial, but you, you understand what I mean. It's, it's, uh, I do. It's risky to going open source because you never know if you're going, going to get the support you need. But again, for those that, that don't know the core publisher is a offering by national public radio that all of the stations pay for and core publisher is also built using open source tools. It's, it's a, essentially a, a Drupal distribution that they've created that they have added to. And that becomes basically a website in the yeah. box, I think is the, the easiest way to describe it. But I think again, they have a team of developers working on it, and those developers are, are using Drupal, and those developers are submitting patches and creating new modules and creating more code that other people can use. And so that that that's interesting that you brought that up because the core publisher is kind of a yeah. different model. That's more of the, the NPR provides the service for you, and it works, and it's part of what you pay for as a station affiliate. Whereas the model you guys have chosen at North Country Public Radio is we want to have exactly. control. We have <laughs> we have the resources. We can yeah. do what we we can make it do exactly yeah. what we want. Well, we you know, this station made that decision back in 2000 when they started looking for people to hire and ended up with with Dale uh, and me. You know, they, they, they this station made the decision that they wanted to invest in the digital property. And so they ended up with two people to help, you know, make that happen. Not every station can do that. We're, we're, you know, we're a small station. We're a small rural, uh, you know, station that, um, you know, it's sort of miraculous that we have the resources that we do, but that's a decision. It's a decision that the station made to invest in that direction. It doesn't always work that way. So we're able to continue to develop our own package and maintain control over it and make it do exactly what we want to do. And the result is that we have something that looks like us, works for us, feels like us, you know, does exactly what we want it to do. So there's, there's certainly, 
you know, pros and cons to all these different approaches. But, you know, it, like you say, it is sort of interesting that Core Publisher is, is running on Drupal. I mean, it goes right back to open source. If, if, if it didn't exist, <laughs> none of these things would exist. So. So I worked at Wisconsin Public Radio for eight years, and uh, we had yet sort of another model, which was we had we were a larger station among public radio stations in in the United States, and you know I was a, a web developer, and there aren't a lot of other web developers, but I always felt like I did want to push. I I pushed for wisconsin public radio to move over to drupal in part so whatever i could do as a developer there i could i could help the ecosystem that would help those other stations i almost felt the responsibility working for one of the you know bigger public media organizations to help give back and that can be tricky too because you almost have to sell the idea of it that you have to say here look i'm doing this for our station and you can do it too and it's right there but you don't want to be too pushy, right? You just want to say, hey, here it is. You can use it. And that that seems to me, and I, I think I was kind of inspired by what you had done with the public media manager, although I guess to some extent I pushed WPR in a, a different direction. Yeah, and and it's a direction that makes sense, actually. I'm not sure that I would recommend a whole lot of stations do it the way we've done it. <laughs> We, we, you know, we can, we can afford to continue to develop the, uh, our, our software because we started so early. I mean, you know, we started a long time ago. If I was going to do this tomorrow, would I build a new system? Heck no. No way. No. Because there, there's too much good stuff out there that can be modified at the worst. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> a lot of it can be used right off the shelf. And, boy, if you can't do that, there's a lot you can do with, with say, Drupal and WordPress and whatnot. I definitely think that's a testament for what you had, Bill. I, for example, in the, again, in the Drupal community, I know lots of people that had talked about back in the day, you know, they, they built their own custom CMS and that was kind of, sometimes it feels like it's a rite of passage for people um, (laughs) that, that you're, you're a web developer and you think, here's a problem. I can solve this. I don't need something else. But then, you know, it's some, sometimes at some point people come around and say, you know what? Other people have solved this in a pretty good way and they have, they have stuff. They have code yeah. that works, so we could start. There. Yeah, I mean, you almost never build anything from scratch anymore. I mean, it's just that's silly. <laughs> so, yeah, it's diff- different now. So, do you feel optimistic or? pessimistic about the future of free and open source software and public media? Boy, that's a really good question. I don't know. I kind of have mixed feelings about it. I, I think, I think there's sort of a cultural thing that open source, that the open source community was a part of for a really long time. That was all about, you know, that, that whole concept of community and that, that sort of happened when, the interwebs were born, you know what I mean? <laughs> it sort of, um, it sort of happened that all of a sudden there was all this, this interest in getting together and working together as a community. Uh, gosh, I remember, I mean, the thing that, the, the group that inspired me with, with to start PubForge was, uh, Evolt, 
or evolt. I never really did figure out what the best way to, to pronounce that was because I, you know, discovered them through email. But <laughs> yeah, evolt, evolt.org. And, um, you know, to, to give you some idea of how significant that community was to, the, to, to web developers years and years ago, that's how I found out that the Twin Towers had gone down in, <laughs> in 2001. I was part of that developer group, oh, and, wow. and the news had not hit major media yet. And I went to a staff meeting and had the news with me because I had gotten it through friends in uh, in the city, in New York, over evil chat and um, or email. So, uh, I mean, that was like, you know, that was, that was a serious chain of communication there that, that was worldwide. And the purpose of the existence of that group was, uh, to share ideas about web development. And like all day long, we were, we were sending emails back and forth to each other, huge group of people sending emails back and forth to each other about how do I solve this problem? Where can I get a tool for this? That kind of thing. And so right from the get-go, I mean, in 2001, the, you know, all of our systems here were, were built on a, on a foundation of, of community support just because of the help that I got from that community. Uh, it wasn't a public media community, but it was certainly community. So anyway, there was sort of a culture, I think, of, of sharing and, and helping each other that, I kind of feel like has changed over time because there are so many big players in the world of, of digital management. You know what I'm saying? It's like, it's a, it's a much different world than it used to be. You don't have to get together and share things because there are so many resources out there that you already know about. And they're, you know, all the, all the tools are sort of in your face. And so, I mean, it might just be that I'm out of it. I don't know. Maybe maybe I've got the wrong perception, but it 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 feels like when you need something, you can go shopping for it, and that's 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 different than the way it was when mm -hmm. we started out here. When you need something, you ask your friends, you know. Although I guess it works that way when you're going shopping now too. So I'm old. I'm old. What do I know? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I definitely understand what you're saying. I think to some extent, this is sort of the situation with a lot of people that run nonprofit organizations where they have these problems. They still have these problems. People still need websites. And there are more and more solutions that are built using open source tools that are offered as a service. For somebody listening that maybe is part of a different nonprofit organization and they're wondering if using open source software is right for them, you've delineated some of the key challenges to trying to keep pushing forward with that, to say that it's tough to build the community around the code. It's tough to find people that have the technical resources. And even when you do get some money to build something, sometimes it's tough to even share with other organizations yeah, just really like is. yours. It is tough. And, you know, I think... I think the you know a, a really good example of the way things have changed is web hosting. You know, uh, 
early on, you know, one of the one of the big things that people did with with open source software was to put together a web server so that they could run their website, and and that was a big deal. That was a big challenge. And then, you know, now if you're going to run any kind of a site at all that that requires, you know, the, the management of any significant traffic, Amazon, right? I mean, that's and and you pay you pay a lot for that, but you know, people. I think there's a, a, a higher willingness to go out and pay for things that are provided by behemoth companies like Amazon than than there was ages ago um, when those behemoths didn't exist. So, what happens next? I don't know. <laughs> and it is hard. I mean, it's hard to get people to share, and it's it's hard to get people to have time to share. <laughs> We all have jobs, <laughs> but that's part of the reason I wanted to have you on the show, Bill, because you guys are doing it. You guys are creating your thing. You're maintaining your thing. You're sharing your code and you're trying to make it available to others that want to use it. And if they want to use it, they can. They don't have to. There's other options out there, but I think it's great what you've been doing for the public media community so i just wanted to extend my thanks well thanks i appreciate that i hope we can i hope we can sort of ramp it up and and do a bit more of it actually so that'd be great well let me know what you do next and i will follow with great curiosity would you would you like to say any parting words no i don't have any big giant gems of wisdom for anyone uh, you know <laughs> i'm saying I'm, I'm i'm old and dumb now it's a bigger world than i can handle so what could i possibly offer but uh no uh thanks thanks very much for for uh asking me to to talk with you about this it's a it's we we've got sort of a long history behind us of of living in that community uh supported world in both in public media and open source and um i wouldn't have it any any other way people are happier this way (laughs) hey bill thank you so much for coming on the show And thank you for listening. Please join me next month when my guest will be Jesse Von Doom from Cash Music. The topic will be free software in the music industry. Thank you for listening to this episode of Hacking Culture. You can learn more about this show and subscribe at lullabot.com slash hacking culture. Please follow at Hacking Culture and at Matthew Tift on Twitter or MTift on Microcast. You can also contact Matthew via email at hackingculture at lullabot.com. This episode is released under the Creative Commons Attribution Sharealike 3.0 United States License. Hacking Culture is produced at Lullabot. The theme music is from the Open Goldberg Variations. Thank you for listening. You'll need to edit this part out.